Welcome back to Technically Self-Published. I'm Ash, amateur author and professional teenager. This is season two, Bridging the Gap. You can take everything I say here as canon. There are spoilers, so check out my complete reading of the book first. It does not look like the base of a resistance. It looks like the apartment of a stoner. Fake brick wallpaper, giant bean bags, and overlapping rugs. People mill around, sitting on chairs and talking or watching TV in a corner. I thought you were taking us to the base of indication, I say in disbelief. I did, Jai says, confused. But where's the weapons, the ships? I ask, gesturing at the utter lack of preparation. Ah, I see. Jai walks over and pulls back her rug, revealing a trapdoor with a ladder going down. She leads us down. The difference is stark. In the middle of the room, there's a war map with people crowded around it. To the left, I can see a room labeled Armory with a thick, vault-style door blocking it off. To my right, a narrow hallway leads to a shipyard filled with mighty armored ships. Clearly, I have sorely underestimated the resistance. Ah, so's. Who's with you? An imposingly tall and strong-looking person stands at the head of the table. Hey, boss. I found Naya Bomox, she says, looking up at boss. Even Holland is shorter than her. Is that so? Boss looks at me. I raise a hand awkwardly and wave. Hi, I'm Naya, she, her. As much as I'd like to take you at your word, so I need some proof. Naya, dear, please follow me. She turns abruptly, walking towards the other end of the room. I follow her. We walk into a large room, somewhat similar to a gymnasium. There's a bunch of large, colorful blocks positioned around the room, forming an obstacle course. A large rope hangs from the ceiling, a foam mat below. Many people spin and jump around the room, exercising powers of their own. The ceiling is surprisingly high for a space station. Show us what you can do, boss intones, gesturing to the open gym. I breathe deeply. I feel like a lot of pressure, but I don't know what to do to impress them. Mm-hmm. Can I get some volunteers to test Bomox? She bellows, interrupting my internal panic. A couple of people jog over. We walk a little ways away from the entrance. Okay, I'm ready, I say shakily. The people stand in a circle around me. I have no idea what their powers are. I concentrate for a moment as a small demon pops into existence in front of me. It snarls, no bigger than my foot. Seriously? One of the tougher-looking people says, crossing their arms and looking down at it. Without warning, it lunges at their face. The rest of the group charges me in unison. I summon more demons and assume almost every one of them is caught in combat. The only person not fighting a demon is now fighting me. Unfortunately, I soon discover their power, elasticity. Any punches or kicks I throw miss. Realizing I'm outmatched, I summon another demon... A large green feline with long, sharp claws. I mount them and head straight for the thick rope. Digging their claws into the fibers, they run up it. My opponent is fast behind, climbing it masterfully. In one fluid motion, I release the demon I'm riding and fall off. Time seems to slow down, and I pull a move I've only used once before. Dozens of demons suddenly fill the room, my freefall ceases, and I float above the quickly quelled fight. My wings beat the air as I look down at the astonished faces of the fighters, Chai and Boss. I breathe heavily. My eyes feel like they're burning.
One word rings out, breaking the silence. Ultimate. I can't tell who said it. Maybe it was boss, maybe the fighters, maybe even Jai, but it echoes, carrying the weight of an army. I slowly lower myself to the ground, and in hushed words, release all the demons. I walk back over to boss. I'm shaking a little, but I don't notice it until boss grabs me by the shoulders and examines me at arm's length. Very impressive. Would you consider staying with vindication for a while? I believe your resources will be valuable to our cause, she says gruffly. Uh, sure. (laughs) I nod. Boss releases me with a pat on the back and turns away, headed back into the war room. Wow, that was incredible, Jai says softly. She reaches out and gently touches one of my wings, studying. Yeah? I ask, still unsteady. Adrenaline rushes through my body. Mind if I sit down? Jai nods quickly and leads us back up into the main room. I gratefully lie down on a large beanbag. Jack Nax and Holland join me. So you can do that? Jai says, incredulous. She sits across from us. Yeah, I did it once before on Zidon. It took a couple of days for the wings to go away. Your eyes are red again. Holland notes, pointing. I nod in agreement. Well, what are your abilities, your limits? Jai leans forward, curious. Okay, let's see. I can summon multiple at a time, but I have to release them one by one. They won't leave unless I release them. They will essentially do whatever, but they don't physically have to. Whoever I summon is completely random, and I've never gotten the same one twice, as I mentioned before. Also, their physical characteristics are random. I can't fall them into the portals they come out of. Oh, and they come instantaneously, I say, thinking. Mm, that's about it. What does being an ultimate even mean? There are only five known ultimates, including you. One has the power to restore life. That's the most recent one. One can summon beings. That's you. One can take control of others. We don't know where they are. One can control and generate the four elements. They're a husk. And the last one can kill instantly. They're in the outer reaches, though. You could also ask boss. She... Wait, what's a husk? Holland interrupts Jai. When you use your powers too much, there starts to be physical consequences. I noticed Jai rubbing her gloved hand almost unconsciously. Eventually, if you don't stop and take a break, it will consume you. You won't be yourself anymore. You'll be a husk. A mindless beast of destruction and rage. She seems to snap back into reality. Anyway, it's not important. It never happens. There's an awkward silence between us. Holland seems a bit nervous, and maybe that's just me. It kind of scared me to hear that I could do that to myself. I kind of already am with the wings. I need to keep this in check. I try to push those thoughts away. Jack Knox moves over and curls up to ne- next to me, comfortingly. <sighs> the silence is soon broken by the loud rumble of Holland's stomach. Jack starts in surprise, only falling over. Hey, can we get some food? She nods, composing herself. Of course, follow me. Jai leads us to the end of the room. To my left is a long, narrow hallway lined with doors. Straight ahead appears to be the bathrooms, and to the right is clearly the kitchen. Delicious smells waft from it. There's already most of the people inside, making themselves dinner. Microwaves hum and glow. Chatter fills the room. At the very end, there's several benches and tables where people already sit. The kitchen itself is 
a huge expanse of refrigerators, freezers, toasters, blenders, microwaves, counters, and cupboards. Everything you can need to keep a whole lot of people fed. We weave our way uncertainly through the bustling kitchen. Finding a safe spot, Jai instructs us. You guys can grab some food. Meet me at the benches. Oh, and the cabinets are labeled. I struggle to hear her over the noise, but everyone splits up. I grab some food and put together a sandwich with surprisingly little difficulty. Walking back to the back of the room, I find Jai sitting by herself at a table waiting for us. Not seeing Hal and her jacknacks, I go and sit down across from her. It's hard to talk over all the cheerful chatter, but I manage. This place seems pretty big, I half shout. Yes, we have many rooms. You should stay with us, Jai responds. Can we go somewhere quieter? I ask. Sure. We make our way back to the much quieter main room. Finding unoccupied bean bags, we sit down and begin to eat. Much better. I bite down my sandwich, Jai nods. So, I swallow. What is it that you do here? We're trying to normalize paranormals. In a lot of words, paranormals are being wrongfully incriminated. But now we're trying to fight Kasonu Eltas. They want to take the less peaceful approach, and they have a couple of par- powerful paranormals on their side. No ultimates, I think. That's good. Maybe I can help out? I offer. Would you? That'd be great. We can get you your own rooms and such. Jai replies, excited. I nod, and there's a small pause. Jai, can I see your hand? I ask gently, pointing to her gloved hand. I, uh, no, she says, embarrassed. Please, it's fine, I just want to know what's wrong. It looks bad. Jai doesn't want to meet my eyes. You can trust me, it'll be fine, I reassure her. I'm honestly a bit nervous about this. She slowly slips the glove off. Her hand looks like it's covered in a black ooze. In color and pattern, it somewhat resembles the nether void that she goes through when she teleports. You don't need to hide this. It's just because you use your powers too much. Like how I have my wings. I really don't find it gross. I'm somewhat surprised she would be embarrassed about this. I'm sure other people have something similar. Just because this is happening doesn't mean you'll become a... A husk. My voice catches on the last word, bringing light to my own fear. But Jai looks up again. Thanks, Naya. There's warmth in her voice. Real empathy. Something in my heart stirs. She puts her glove into her pocket. We continue eating for a bit, quietly. I catch Jai looking at me. I tell myself that probably means nothing. I was just being nice. Our moment is soon interrupted by Jacknax, however. So that's where you were. You can't just ditch us like that, Jacknax says. Sorry, sorry. I apologize, brushing breadcrumbs off my jacket. I look at my watch. Man, that's pretty late. Oh, I can show you your rooms, Jai offers, standing. If you want to stay here. Yeah, definitely, Jacknex says, already forgetting my ear. I met this cool person, Narlo. Jai laughs. I thought you might like Narlo. Come on. We walk into the small hallway I noticed earlier. Some of the doors are open or partially open now. People talk and laugh while other doors are dead silent. I hope there's good soundproofing. At the end of the hall, there's four open doors across the hall from each other. Holland, you're 103. Jacknax, 105. Naya, you're 104, and I'm 106. The rooms are connected in pairs, but don't worry. I won't bother you. Jai smiles shyly. 
Colin and Jack next immediately dart into their rooms. I see a door in between the two rooms that must connect them. I walk into mine. It's fairly small and square, but not too modest. I find it somewhat similar to a motel room. In one corner, there's a full-size bed with a nightstand and lamp next to it. In the corner across from the bed, there's a desk and chair. To the right of the doorway is a sofa and coffee table facing a TV to my left. Laundry is at the end of the hall to the right of the stairs. Bathrooms are between the kitchen and the sleeping area. Giant trucks pointing in the appropriate directions. Good night. I close my door and try to get used to the room. It would be nice to stay in one place for a while. Besides, I doubt this place could get boring. And Jai's here, but never mind that. I'm tired. I hope my wings will go away soon. They're actually a bit of a pain. It feels unnatural. And there's this whole husk issue when I, which I'm not prepared to deal with yet. So I lie down, turning off the lights, finding the bed surprisingly comfortable. Soon, I'm asleep. My wings beat the air as I look down at the astonished faces of the fighters, Jai, and Boss. So this whole business with the wings and eyes and stuff. The more you use your power, the harder it is to lose control. Wait, isn't that the name of book three? Mystery. Anyway, it starts taking more and more effort and use to get the physical ramifications. There's only five known ultimates, including you. One has the power to restore life, that's the most recent one. One can summon beings, that's you. One can take control of others, we don't know where they are. One can control and generate the four elements, there are husks. And the last one can kill instantly. They're in the outer reaches, though. So as I mentioned way back in Season 1, there are five ultimates, each with their own gemstone and unique ability. Callback. We saw the newest one, Peridot, given to the child on Zidon. Then Naya, the ruby. The third one, Amethyst, is Ujatu Akur. Next is Sapphire, who we don't actually see in these books. Because they're dead. And last is Topaz, who we also don't see. Topaz doesn't actually matter that much, but Sapphire is important for book three. This wasn't, like, super important information, but it's just really fun facts. I noticed Jai rubbing her gloved hand almost unconsciously. Since Jai is fairly new to her powers and it kind of looks weird, she's uncomfortable with it. This is natural. But as the story progresses and Jai gets more comfortable with her powers, she does get used to it. Oh, and I should probably mention that in the same way everyone's abilities are different, everyone's husk is different too. Your husk kind of represents your powers, but manifested in a violent and malevolent form. I get more into this in book three, so for now, secrets. That's all for now. Thank you for listening. This has been my book, Bridging the Gap. I hope you enjoyed it.